Welcome to the Strengthening a Palliative Approach in Long-Term Care Alliance podcast, exploring challenges and best practices in palliative care approaches for individuals in long-term care. Olga Nikolaev is an end-of-life nurse educator with over 25 years of professional experience as a registered nurse in various healthcare settings, including hospice palliative care. She facilitates online thanatology program courses through Centennial College, as well as the end-of-life doula course through Douglas College, virtually and in person. She is also the founder and director of the Death Doula Ontario Network. Olga has been involved in national, provincial, and local community efforts to shift the way we view and approach our dying experience, death, and grief, including how we care for each other at the end of life and beyond. Welcome to the podcast, Olga. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Really looking forward to this conversation. I'd like to start by having you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming an end-of-life nurse educator and doula. So interestingly enough, my journey began when I trained as a registered nurse in my early 20s. And so I decided that I wanted to specialize in labor and delivery. I actually ended up moving to British Columbia where the only job that was offered to me was in long-term care. And even though I was a labor and delivery nurse, I really wanted to and already had an affiliation in supporting and providing care for seniors. And so it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. But I, I found a lot of similarities in relationship to birthing and dying. And then I came back to Ontario to study anthropology and psychology. And specifically, I was really looking at using academia to explore a little bit more knowledge and ideas around sort of the spiritual nature or the cultural nature of -of end-of-life care. For seven to five years, most of my professional work, both educating and as well as my private practice, has really been focused on end-of-life care and death education, death literacy, grief literacy, and really combining all of the different, you know, things that I have studied. Fascinating and, and complex at the same time. When I was introducing you, I, I mentioned the thanatology program, and that's a term I don't think everyone's familiar with. I wonder if you could explain what thanatology is. Sure. Thanatology is the study of death and dying, grief and bereavement, and it actually comes from Thanatos, or the the kind of the Greek word for death. And oftentimes, even some end-of-life doulas, death doulas, call themselves thanadoulas. I am one of three facilitators within the thanatology program. That is an online course. It's disseminated throughout all of the Ontario colleges through Ontario Learn. And while, you know, there's still a lot of sort of misconception or misunderstanding of what thanatology is, I think there, there's an increased awareness, there's an increased interest, and I'm really glad to be part of the, the thanatology field. I'd like to talk now a little bit about the role of the death doula. And you, you mentioned death doula. You also mentioned end-of-life doula. I imagine there are a number of different terms. Yeah. So as of right now in Canada, while we have a, a fairly new organization that's been up and running for about four years, the End-of-Life Doula Association of Canada, the end-of-life doula role is really 
it's not a protected role or a regulated provider role. And so many folks may actually use different terms to describe the type of services that they may offer to client families. So they may use a term end-of-life doula, death doula, thana doula. They may call themselves end-of-life midwives or soul midwives or transition guides or bereavement coaches or death coaches, or even death educators. Hmm. Um, so I think that the association, as well as the Death Dual Ontario Network, are kind of working to create sort of the scope and practice, provide some support to the end-of-life doulas that are newly emerging. But as I said, right now, it's a non-regulated fee-for-service profession. So clients have to actually pay in order to secure the support services of an end-of-life doula. So what kind of services might they provide? The end-of-life doula fundamentally really can work with clients. And and I think originally the end-of-life doula role was really focusing on being with the client, the person who is who is dying and their family, their caregivers, during that active dying phase. And while that may be the focus, what I'm seeing and I have seen over the last two years and partly because of the pandemic as well, is that many doulas are now focusing some of their services on education as a way of helping people to start to better plan and prepare. And even for folks who may not have a life-limiting diagnosis, but may have some interest in learning about how to best prepare. So being with, with the client families during that active dying process is a way of additional support, right? End-of-life doulas are not healthcare providers. So many of them don't have any kind of medical background, but they certainly have varied backgrounds in support service kind of industry or education. So they may be another person who provides that support during that active dying process, but they might also provide support in grief support. So I'm seeing the role expanding both in the role of providing some education, assisting with planning and preparing, as well as offering some of that grief support, even in maybe in legacy making. Yeah, it's a really intimate role. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always say to the doulas, you have to be invited into that family. And so would the expectation be that the doula would be there at the moment of death in the dying process? Um, It could be, but it's not necessarily the focus. Again, I really am a big advocate in educating and a big element or a big principle of end of life doula education is to educate and to empower so that the family and the client can potentially move through this process on their own. Hmm. And I would imagine you'd have to have a fair amount of sensitivity around cultural aspects in terms of how families interact with each other or customs. Absolutely. Again, a lot of the training and even in the thanatology program really focuses on some of the cultural humility. So recognizing and being mindful of our own particular belief system and really working towards having more of a neutral position and really paying attention to our own presence when we're providing that kind of support for people. I'd like to talk a little bit about the role of the doula in long-term care. What does that role look like? I actually have worked with long-term care homes 
in the past year, um, helping some of the teams to manage or move through some of their grieving process that they may have experienced during the pandemic. Again, as you can appreciate, um, a lot of deaths occurred, COVID deaths occurred in long-term care, and even folks who are providing nursing support and healthcare aids in long-term care don't always have necessarily palliative care training or hospice care training or end-of-life care training or, or grief support. So I have worked in long-term care to provide some of that sort of facilitation, helping them to better understand the natural grieving process. How can they support each other? How can they then support their residents? The way that a doula practices right now is that a client family would have to hire them in order to obtain their services. But I think there is an opportunity just in the same way that long-term care homes are engaging in having someone come in and train in relationship to the hospice palliative care approach. They could also potentially benefit and maybe working with an end-of-life doula who might be on staff to maybe support the families as they're navigating. Oftentimes doulas are not only trained in providing support during the active dying process, but are also trained in opening up the conversations. In our Western world, I think that we're hesitant to talk about end-of-life care. Certainly doulas can help support in opening up that dialogue. Yeah. And I really love what you said about the fact that supporting the client and the family, but also supporting the healthcare professionals on the front lines. And certainly I've I've spoken to so many people who work in long-term care who talk about the last two years, but also talk about the system itself and how easy it is to burn out. And and particularly when you are dealing with a resident that you may have cared for for some time and become quite close to. And I think it also, you know, it speaks to the fact that when nurses, even physicians, when they do their formal training, they only have very limited amount of time focusing on end of life. And so anyone who wants to work in the field of hospice palliative care, they actually themselves have to take the initiative to obtain that kind of training. We only get sort of the fundamentals, but I don't think it's enough education and support Yeah. And I think these people may not have the time, you know, everybody talks about the lack of time, particularly if staffing capacity is a problem or an issue. The nurse may not have time to have these conversations with the family. For sure. Doulas oftentimes are not as task focused or have a particular sort of agenda. They're a little bit more flexible and not as task oriented per se. The other advantage of an end-of-life doula is that they have the ability to have that continuity of care through the whole process. So a doula could potentially be initiated in maybe initial conversations, initial kind of reflective thought process when somebody is initially diagnosed, and then as their disease or life experience progresses, maybe they call them back to help them with, uh, with some aspect of care, maybe even transitioning into long-term care. And then they can be there during the active dying phase. They can vigil after death, right? To still be present, to offer that compassionate kind of support to the family as they're trying to navigate Yeah. And the staff as well. I I remember someone telling me about a housekeeper that walked into the room and found that it was empty and no one had told her. And this was someone very close to her, uh, you know, a resident and, and, you know, having, I think, an end of life doula there to support that person even. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, again, an opportunity where doulas could work within long-term care homes as a way of helping the staff Mm -hmm. to kind of negotiate. When I think about my own experience in long-term care, you know, again, not uncommon to have 30 deaths within a year of residence. And then how do we introduce some meaningful rituals so that staff can feel like they were part and they want to acknowledge, they want to honor their person. families hire end-of-life doulas, typically they would be going into people's homes. And I wonder if you can talk about what the difference would be then for a doula who is working, you know, in in a family home as opposed to working in a long-term care. I think the focus might be a bit different. I would think that a doula in long-term care home could potentially offer support to the staff as well, maybe help in revising maybe some of the policies in relationship to bringing more meaning or other sort of not nursing specific practices, but more of the humane practices, more integrating rituals that might be important. And that's a really unique set of skills and knowledge that they bring for a more holistic approach, right? Absolutely. So with that in mind, I wonder how you feel about sort of what side of the fence you're on for the regulation side of things. Do you think that this is a role that should perhaps undergo regulation given the the significance that it could bring? Again, when I educate end-of-life doulas, I talk a little bit about the end-of-life doula being a social movement. We've medicalized end-of-life so much so that families are hesitant sometimes to be the caregivers, and they're very uncertain, even though they do know how to be caregivers, but they kind of maybe lack some of that confidence. And so I think it's a social movement that has really enabled folks in the community to empower themselves through education and through providing support in their own neighborhood so that they can humanize end-of-life care a little bit more. And so if we look at end-of-life care from that holistic perspective, it requires the emotional, practical, spiritual aspect. And I think that is what the doula movement is attempting to do. And there is a possible risk of if we embed end-of-life doulas within the medical model, it will be medicalized in itself. We'll see what happens. I think the end-of-life doula role will follow a similar wave of birth doulas, which to some degree have sort of increased in the last 20 years, sort of a scope and practice, being a little bit more regulated, but not embedded within the medical system. What are the best qualities of a doula? What kind of person becomes a great doula? Folks that are attracted to this role oftentimes are very altruistic and caring people. So I think the qualities that are needed for this role is someone who has the ability to be resilient during a crisis or kind of a emotionally tense time, because we can't always anticipate how people will respond because they have never been through a dying experience. We started off talking about that, having the ability to keep one's own bias in check and always be putting the person perspective first, not to have that agenda, cookie cutter kind of approach. And that requires then having flexibility, right? And an ongoing desire to continue to learn, to continue to refresh their skills, continue to learn new ways of being of support for people at the end of life. Mm -hmm. Thank you for speaking with me today, Olga. 
You're welcome, Nancy. Much appreciated. You've been listening to the Strengthening a Palliative Approach in Long-Term Care podcast. For more information about our project, visit spa-ltc.ca.